Welcome to Triangle 411, the pulse that moves the Triangle world today. It's a vibrant collection of stories, medical breakthroughs, what's trending, social good, events, and boundless other adventures. A conversation pit of comedians, authors, chefs, sports figures, experts, the common and the uncommon. Here's the host of Triangle 411, Mary Innsbrucker. Hi, friends. Delicious autumn. My very soul is wedded to it. And if I were a bird, I would fly about the earth seeking successive autumns. That is a quote of George Eliot, but many feel the same way about the orange season. But why? Haley Lemery's, a former interpretive ranger for the New Hampshire State Park, is here today to tell us all about the history, science, and fun of autumn. Welcome, Haley. Hi, Mary. Thanks for having me. So tell us some history about the season that was once known as harvest and not fall. The time of harvest um, was known mostly prior to the 17th century. It wasn't until then that the term fall came into use. And so it was a time of change. It was a time of plenty um, when crops would be harvested. And so this time when we have spring and when we have fall comes from the tilt in our earth axis. It's the 23-and-a-half-degree tilt that allows us to have our change in seasons. It's the time of our equinoxes, which, you know, the word equinox comes from uh, two Latin words, actually. It comes from equus, which means equal, and it comes from nox, which means night. So it's our time of uh, equilibrium in our day and night. Interesting. Now, many people probably know something about this, but let's go over it anyway. What is the science behind the colorful foliage. So our foliage actually is really interesting because it comes from a survival technique of our trees. So um, in the Northeast, uh, we get our bright, colorful foliage, and it's because, so normally our trees are green, which comes from the chlorophyll that they produce, and this chlorophyll helps them create food for them to survive throughout the year. Um, But chlorophyll is very difficult to maintain when there's not a lot of sunlight and when it gets a lot colder. So um, in the fall, the trees stop producing chlorophyll. And the colors that we actually see um, coming through, the reds, the oranges, the yellows, are actually the colors that the leaves are underneath. So as the chlorophyll dies away, we start to see those colors come through. And those come from pigments in the leaves. So like uh, the leaves that turn yellow or orange, like our birches and our beeches, um, have carotenoids, which is a pigment that actually is found in carrots. And so, like, our reds and purples, like our maples, come from anthocyanins, which are also pigments found in our apples and strawberries. You know, I just love the colorful leaves. I just I just love them. I kind of wish they could be here all year, but, um, <laughs> you know, just for the look of it, it's so pretty, especially up north. It really gets beautiful, but... Um, you know, but I wouldn't want, <laughs> I would still want summer and winter and spring. So I guess that's not going to work out <laughs> for me. Now, plants are not the only ones who have to adapt to dropping temperatures. A lot of our animal species have their own adaptations to help them either make it through the winter or actually move away to warmer climates where it's easier for them to survive. So most famously are birds, but also bats, whales, and insects will migrate um, so we refer to migration often as going south for the winter, but sometimes it's not south at all. It could be east or west, 
or if it's a creature living on a mountain, it could just be a change in elevation. Um, for the Northeast, we have our monarch butterflies, which is uh, one of our most well-known migrators, and they'll actually go down to Mexico for the winter. Hmm. So what about animals that don't have the ability to leave to avoid the, the colder temperatures? So some species actually yeah, don't have the ability to migrate these great distances in order to help them survive. Um, so they have their own behavioral adaptations um, to help them for the winter. So we think of winter, we think of hibernation mostly. Um, we think of bears specifically, but bears actually don't hibernate. Um, they actually do what's called denning, which is a lighter form of dormancy than hibernation. So they can wake up in the winter, um, although this can greatly decrease their chances of survival. Um, but basically, so our black bears um, can wake up and the females do give birth in the winter, um, but they're not true hibernators. True hibernators would include things like chipmunks, mice, and reptiles. And so they're actually asleep for the entire winter and they drop their body temperature significantly lower than what bears would. Um, but so some animals den, some animals hibernate, and some just change their behavior like uh, gray foxes. So they actually change their diet um, from summer to winter. Um, they're omnivorous, so they eat both plant and animal matter. And so in the summer, when plants are uh, more abundant, they'll eat those. But in the winter, the plants are gone, so they'll switch to meat. So I'm really happy you explained that difference between hibernating and denning. I, I'm not sure um, everybody's aware of that. So that was interesting. Now, um, we do a little bit of our own hibernating during the colder months. I know <laughs> I do. I'm in sweats and... Uh, has the, have the heat up and you eat comfort food. It's bad. It's bad, Haley. Um, but, <laughs> but something we humans do like to do is celebrate. So let's talk about all the different kinds of celebration and a little bit of the history of that going on through autumn. Right. We do celebrate a lot in the fall and a lot of cultures around the world um, do the same thing. So, um, you know, it's a time of of the harvest, so there's usually an abundance of food, and the themes that seem to culminate around different cultures celebrating uh, in the fall are um, the light of rebirth and death, because it was a time, you know, winter is coming, um, but it's also a time uh, for, you know, celebrating, like we said, and so, you know, we have our own traditions here um, in the United States. Mexico has a holiday called Dia de los Muertos, which is the Day of the Dead. Um, which is a time to honor those who have passed on, and it's a time of traditional food and flowers. Um, Catholics also have All Saints Day, uh, which is the day after, um, and it's also a time for um, honoring those who have passed on and celebration. I was in um, Peru one one uh, year, like you're saying, the, uh, uh, you know, in, in Mexico, the November 2nd, and people were actually... Our tour guide took us on a little side trip past a uh, oh, a cemetery, and families were just sitting by the graves, and they were eating, and they were drinking, mm -hmm. and they would have like food and 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 a drink set out for their loved one who had passed away. It was very very interesting, and they made it joyous, and. 
I'm, I was glad that he took us by there because it wasn't on the regular itinerary, but it sure it sure was something to see. And you know, friends were going next to friends because they do this every year, so they you know pay respects to not only their loved ones but others in the cemetery. It's really something to see. So now let's talk about ooh, Halloween. Now we have <laughs> uh, we have a good bit of time here, so. Feel free to tell us everything about it. There's there's so many things besides trick-or-treating that go on with the whole <laughs> Halloween thing. I mean, Halloween is one of my absolute favorite times of year. And it, what I find really fascinating about it is to come to understand where all our traditions came from. But Halloween, when it started, um, was over 2,000 years ago. It was something celebrated by the Celts. Um, and it was traditionally known as Samhain before it was known as Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of along those lines. It was a time of harvest. There was a lot of food. It was a time to prepare for the coming winter, um, which is kind of how it came associated uh, to be associated with death. It was because it was a time when not everyone survived the winter. Um, but so the Celts believed it was a time when our world and the spirit world would become blurred. And it was a time when those who had passed could come back and visit their family members. But it was also a time when maybe uh, evil spirits could come back. And so bad crops and mysterious happenstances were blamed on spirits at this time. Um, So it was a time where people would ward off spirits. And that's where our tradition of carving jack-o'-lanterns came from. They would carve scary faces on pumpkins to try and frighten away evil spirits. Same thing with dressing up in costume. If you hid your face, then a spirit wouldn't recognize you, and then you would be protected. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Romans came to the Celtic lands in 43 AD, and they combined their own traditional holidays with the traditions of Samhain. And that's actually where our um, tradition of bobbing for apples comes from. So the Romans have a goddess named Pomona, who is the goddess of the harvest, and she's also the goddess of apples. So bobbing for apples was to honor Pomona. Um, so, and then Christianity came about a thousand AD to the lands as well. And that's where All Souls Day comes in. Um, and they would dress up as angels and devils in costume. Okay. And then it was migrated to the U.S. and colonial America and it evolved into more of a family holiday. So you know, became more centered around kids. And so trick-or-treating rose up to <laughs> people would give out candy to the local neighborhood kids so that they wouldn't be pranked. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where uh, uh, trick-or-treating came from. But, you know, we avoid black cats because people thought those were witches. And so there's all kinds of really cool traditions that we have for Halloween that come from all these ancient beliefs and traditions. And that's the part of it that I find really fascinating. Yes, that that was fascinating. Tell us a little bit more. I'm going to ask you two things here. Tell us a little bit more about the story of the black cats becoming part of Halloween. Yeah, yeah. I have two black cats, and I love them to bits. So I I don't believe they're bad luck. But um, this time, you know, back in the old days, um, people used to be wary of witches. Um, and they thought they were evil. So the theory was that um, for witches to avoid being captured, they would turn into black cats to escape. And so the idea of if you're, you have a black cat that crosses your path, it was deemed unlucky. So that's kind of where our superstition around black cats came from. 
Hmm, and that goes way back to the Middle Ages. So it's always interesting to see how traditions and things come to be over the years and they they mm. maintain even to this day. One other one, mm-hmm. salt. Tell me about the whole salt thing. So salt um, back in olden times was uh, a purification agent. Um, it could be used for a lot of different things and it helped um, in some ways people to avoid being sick. So it was believed to be a purification tool. And so people would use it in the corners of their homes or at their doorsteps. You would put salt there to keep evil spirits out. And so if you spill salt, it was deemed unlucky because it was wasteful. That's kind of why we, you know, when we spill salt today, it's considered unlucky. I always wondered about that. It's always like the over the shoulders, you know, shake some salt. And I was like, what's that Mm -hmm. about? Uh, Another thing, again, this was on, I travel a lot and I really enjoy learning. And another thing when you say about putting the salt for the spirits, um, and you'll see the old time buggies and the past. And if you notice, most of them have a fringe around the top of the canopy on the buggy. And mm. that was said so that uh, every once in a while, as someone was, was dry, riding along in the buggy, they would take, uh, you know, their whip or whatever they had there and just kind of go back and forth across the uh, these hangings. So again, to try and scare away any bad uh, spirits. So there's a lot of, <laughs> maybe we should do a whole show on how to get rid of bad spirits. That might be a good one. There seems yeah. to be a lot out that's, there. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't know that. So there is certainly magic to the season of autumn. And as you say, Haley, a time when the trees prepare to sleep and the breeze directs the birds to fairer skies. I mean, you're competing yeah. with George Eliot there. You know, I, I like oh. that saying I had to, to use that. Uh, let's, thank you. Let's end with, uh, uh, you know, why do you feel that fall, autumn, Halloween, the whole shebang is one of your favorite times of the year? Oh, wow. What a question. Yeah, it's, it is one of my favorite times of the year. It's, you know, it's a time of transition. It's a time of tradition, um, and change and giving thanks for everything that we've had, from the previous year and then going into our new season of winter. So um, between everything from picking apples to carving pumpkins, it is really one of my favorite times of year. Me too. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Now it's time for our nonprofit spotlight. The need for blood is a constant, a constant that has increased through the pandemic, as we all know. So please consider giving blood if you're able. The Cary Red Cross Blood, Platelet, and Plasma Donation Center is located right in Cary. Of course, donation sites are all over the United States, and you can easily go to the Internet to find a donation center near you. The center in Cary is located at 3700 Regency Park, Suite 150, 3700 Regency Parkway, Suite 150. They have coordinated blood drives, or you can make an appointment, again, by checking them out on the web or by calling 1-800-RED-CROSS. 
1-800-RED-CROSS. Now it's time to high-five and say goodbye. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this history, science, just fun about autumn. I'm Mary Innsbrucker for Triangle 411. Today, dot, 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 give life, give blood.